I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch loves you, but don't tell anyone. May, you have to sing the whole episode. It's musical May, musical May, part two. Uh, yeah, that would get old. I don't think it got mind old. If I may, I already <laughs> that's the problem. We can't do it because there's no words that rhyme with May. It's like orange and other uh, purple. May. Mm-hmm. Oh May. wait, I thought. Yeah, I thought of one clay. Um, no, that's it. That's it. That's all yeah. the. It's Clay and May. <laughs> yeah, where it's musical May talking about Cassius Clay. <laughs> That's uh, it. You can also rhyme it with the other form of May, like so. Musical May, have some cake. I May. <laughs> <laughs> Very natural the way you write <laughs> you write the words to those songs. Yeah, I'm like Lin Manuel Miranda, basically, uh, <laughs> except. Uh, mine is all about rhyming uh, months and not historical figures. It's, it's you know, everyone has their lane. Mm-hmm. And you stay in yours. I've won eight Tonys. Uh, the pizza. <laughs> not the <laughs> not the award. I throw them right back because I won a Jax. Give me the Jax award. Not the Tonys award. What, what happens when Tombstone tries to throw you an award? I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> uh, hey, Aaron. I hope uh, I hope uh, you die soon so I can award you with a tombstone free of charge. Oh, yeah? Well, I hope you end up in a time warp, dog fights in World War One, so I can award you a Red Baron. <laughs> <laughs> I hope uh, I hope that you uh, you 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 uh, uh, what's another one? <laughs> um, DiGiorno, but I was already I was already racking my brain for what I was going to have hey, to say for that hey, one. I, I hope when the bullet comes for you, it, it, it doesn't come delivery. It comes from DiGiorno bullet pizza. So the the in this. The bullet's just in my hey, house I hope, somewhere. Uh, I, ho- I hope uh, nobody comes to your house named Tony and does a bad accent at you. What would that sound like, Aaron? A bad accent? Yeah. Your blood is mine. You get the rap. <laughs> Thanks. It is It is musical, May. You've sung multiple songs. We've riffed. We've raffed. Um, oh, did we raff enough, you think? Do you think uh, they want more raff? Uh, I think you're riff-raff enough. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we're doing we're, weirdly. That's the that's the that's the hard that's the worst you've ever heard me on the show. 
<laughs> our first three minute episode is our last episode. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is Musical May Part Two. Uh, this time we're doing good movies. Uh, we were supposed to have Joey Lee join us. Unfortunately, she had some last minute um, stuff come up, uh, and so we have already kind of planned when she's going to join us. We really wish she was able to. We're very excited to talk about this movie. Uh, but we will have her on soon. So if you just you tuned in for her and you're stuck listening to us, bozos, then you're probably a regular listener of the show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, but we're very excited because we are kicking off with uh, The Lure, which is one of the few movies that you always sound drunk when you say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like if you, an officer ever pulled pulled you over and for some reason the DUI test was what's your favorite movie and and for you specifically your favorite movie was The Lure you're going right to prison <laughs> and it's it's also uh, my nickname for Baz Luhrmann oh The Lure uh, director of, of uh, Moulin Rouge I call him The Lure you know, I call him The Boss <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good too. I mean, it makes way more sense. Sup, Boz? Um. Anyway, so yeah, so we're doing the Lure, which is a 2015 uh, Polish mermaid musical horror film. Yeah, it's it's, it's my it's favorite a Polish film to describe. Electro rock horror film. Um, and you know what? It's funny when I found out this was like set in a nightclub. I was like, oh, okay, it's one of those musicals. It's the cabaret type musical. Nope. Not about Nazis. <laughs> so yeah, so we're doing it's this movie's great. I am so excited to talk about it. I'm I'm excited for this month. Um uh this is a fun one to kick it off with. We um uh, Peter and I both watched it opening night of Spooktober. I'm sure we talked about it uh, on that uh episode. So we're probably gonna have a lot of effusive praise, which is a great contrast to last week's episode on Batman and Robin. Uh, It's also nice to – I would like this month to have at least one movie that we think we can advocate for that people might not necessarily have seen. This movie does have a good release. You can get it on VOD. Uh, Criterion released it, all that. But um, it's, it's, it's we're in an era of great indie movies and f- great foreign movies, so stuff just disappears. So I wanted to have at least a couple movies this month that I don't think people have seen, or maybe you know half the audience hasn't seen, and we can we can advocate for. Yeah, uh, we're gonna pull them at the end. I don't know. Skip that. Yeah. So <laughs> wait, is, is that a joke about the lure? Uh, no, I would have said we would uh, reel them in. You said pull. pull. Like a pull well, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I mean, I meant the first one, too. Cool. Both were jokes I meant to make because I'm clever. Because I'm you a clever do person. like a take five? What? Do you want to do like a take five? Like the candy bar? <laughs> no, I don't want you to have sex with a take five, sir. It would melt. Wait, so when you said do a take five... I was implying that you had already tried to do the joke four times previously. <laughs> Oh, I see. This is a it's little a confusing too, number. Like, yeah, you, you. There's a premise that you went. You didn't fill me in on the premise. Listen, I don't need to. The joke was for me. Oh, I see. So it wasn't a yes and. It was a yes. What? <laughs> it was a yet. It was a yes, dummy. Uh, man, a lot of harsh words you throw in my way tonight. But we'll see if I can make it through without crying. Peter, you brought a game. As I understand it from your text that I was able to decode by knowing the language you were speaking in, unlike this movie. Mm-hmm. What do you got? <laughs> All right. The game is called uh, The Lore and Monsters of Poland. Wait, it's called The Lore or The Lure of Monsters in Poland? 
The lure of Mo- Poland. <laughs> the Poland lure. <laughs> All right. The po- wait. wait do, the l- did you say the lore or the lure? Let's start this over. Hold on. I need to come up with a better name for this. The the the. Did lore you wait? Hold on. No. No. Lore. Hold on. Lore. Were you trying to do lore? Did you know how close that was to lure? I didn't. I didn't. You didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Now you see why it was confusing then. See, you're gonna hear some lore. <laughs> What? <laughs> this is called the lore and monsters of Poland. So uh, I uh, I was curious because the the specific myth of the mermaid in the lure uh, is a little different than our understanding of it, or at least the understanding that's been passed down from like Little Mermaid. Um, well, actually, though this is pretty close to hand. Christian Anderson's fucked up Little Mermaid. Yes. This is yes. This is this is closer to the the more older classical fantastical understanding of these stories, a more grim understanding of the stories. So I wanted to sort of peek into and see like what other weird Polish and you know generally more Slavic monsters and uh, creatures exist uh, in their kind of of history, the more Eastern European history as opposed to the more Anglo-Saxon version of history that you, we hear a lot of in America. Uh, Aaron, I have a Five question game for you. Great. And at the end, the number of points you get determines which Polish monster you are. So, just to be clear, I'm not going to get any prizes from this. You're just going to call me a name at the end? It's more of a personality quiz. Okay. So, like, there's an answer for you getting one right. There's an answer for getting two right. So on. So, there's degrees of insults that I'm going to have hurled my way, and I just don't know how well or how bad I have to do to get the... Ideal insult is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. My feelings haven't been hurt enough. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) So we will determine what monster you are through this quiz. Are you ready? Question number one. In Warsaw, the mermaid is seen as A, a trickster, a reminder to be thoughtful, B, a defender of the city, C, a sexy figure representing freedom and love, or D, as close as you're going to get to a Disney Warsaw. We'll go with A because it had two things inexplicably. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not a trickster. Uh, it's seen as a defender of the city. There's multiple myths that attach a mermaid to Warsaw specifically that associate mermaids as, as being in some way indebted to, you know, a specific prince or a specific, uh, you know, group of people. And it, it tied a mermaid to the city as a defender. So how they, yeah. So how they defend the city then? Like. Some pretty aggressive splashing. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, oh, yeah, they, there she blows. Look at that wave. Turn they, back. They showed everyone um, that was invading the city, uh, Mongols or whoever, uh, they showed them a copy of Splash 2 and they were so repelled they turned around and ran back. Is Did they, did they make a Splash 2? Yeah, they did. It's very bad. Um, did they get uh, Ron Howard back for that one? <laughs> Yes, but to do snide commentary on it. Uh, <laughs> they could get Tom Hanks, but they didn't get a man named Tom Snakes. <laughs> Ooh, here comes the mermaids. <laughs> okay, Slither- slithering on up. <laughs> okay, question number two. 
Polodnica, also known as the Noon Witch, is known for appearing in, uh, in near workers or farmers at around noontime out in the fields. Mm. Very literal name. <laughs> yes, yes. Also, mind you, I'm probably uh, mispronouncing all the Polish names, but I'm going to give my best shot to it. Here um, comes the 745 Witch. <laughs> <laughs> She tends to show up about quarter till eight. <laughs> She's so tired. <laughs> 7.45 a.m. witch. The p.m. Oh, witch okay, is. Yes. She's just ate dinner. Um, so what's her deal? A, she forgot her lunch and wants to scam on yours. B, she wants to punish you for working through lunch. C, she wants to whisk away toilers to her magical land, but they must first collapse of heat stroke. Or D, she wants to complain about the foreman being a real stick in the mud. We'll go with C. It is B. She wants to punish you for working through lunch. It's a it's a more uh, general sort of like uh, Slavic lore. It's also very popular in Russia. A lore? Ukraine. Slavic lore. lore. <laughs> um, but it's a uh, yeah. She's this is like spirit that's supposed to uh, come visit you if you're if you're and punish you if you're working. Um, she carries a scythe if you're working during lunch. Um, it's interesting that they eat lunch at noon in Poland as well. Yeah, yeah, apparently. It's because you know what? You learn a lot about different countries just learning about their horror icons. You just you learn while you're... You're lear- learning your about horror. their horror icons. This would have been a great name for the game is... Learn, learn about Polish monsters. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, zero points right now. Great. Um, I'm going to be the zero o'clock witch <laughs> at this rate. So this is where I start fucking up names. Um, the Strzyzga, the Strzyzga, um is a Polish variant. My on favorite Herzog movie. <laughs> <laughs> talking about the sad one about the dude who wants to kill himself. Strozek. You know, yeah, yeah, the, the the Polish monster. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, the Strzyzga, the Strzyzga is a Polish so variant sad. on the vampire myth. It turns into an. Owl, wolf, bat, or hawk? I'm going to go with owl, and here's why. <laughs> because you said it turns into an, and that was the only did a vowel. Yeah. So it has to either be right or you get minus one grammatical point. Uh, are you saying there can't be an wolf? <laughs> <laughs> it turns into an bat. <laughs> Fuck. Listen. Booyah. I'm sorry. Um, all right. Question number four. The Noknika is a night hag. Oh, it's my favorite Limp Bizkit song. Yeah. <laughs> Did it all for the Noknika. The what? Shove it up your... Shove it up your... I do it your all Strozik. <laughs> it's a night hag. Attacks, she attacks you while you sleep and absorbs your life force. Unrelated to Toby Hooper's film. Um, how are you most vulnerable you took my Blu-ray. to her attacks? <laughs> how are you most vulnerable to her attacks? A, eating before bed. B, fighting with a loved one before bed. C, sending her angry letters about her lawn care. Or D, sleeping on your back. D? Yep. That is two points for old Aaron. (laughs) Oh, yeah, it was my birthday this week. Thanks. Thanks, Peter. (laughs) I more meant that as like a chumly. chumly I turned halfway done. (laughs) (laughs) You're half spent. Half done. I uh, I meant that as like a you know a chumly thing, but oh, just it, more of a looks thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I said you look like chumly from Pawn Stars. Oh, ouch! 
That's, that's the one show where, where where Rick is actually the only compliment between the four of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, you look like someone from Palm Stars. Oh, please say Rick. <laughs> please say Rick. Please say Rick. <laughs> like, Rick isn't great either, but, like, it's the best one out of those four. He's the only one that resembles a human being. <laughs> he looks like uh, Brett Michaels without his wig. <laughs> But, like, slightly smaller eyes. Yeah. Tiebreaker. <laughs> wait, the tiebreaker. Wait, who am I tied with? I'm uh, the only contestant. I might have I might have written this quiz for two people. <laughs> okay, great. Can't <laughs> wait right, to see how the tiebreaker goes. <laughs> uh, Rusalka is the name of a Polish uh, water spirit who seduces men and asks them for comforts of the living world, like bread or water or wine. How does a Rusalka get created? A, a vampire who is not behated. Behated? <laughs> oh, You're that's my favorite Austin Powers quote. Oh, behade. <laughs> your, your lure lore thing fucked me. Um, a vampire who is not beheaded, A. B, an unhappy woman in a bad marriage creates them as a projection. C, a murdered woman. D, mermaids who are trying to lure men to the water. I don't know. B. It is a murdered woman. Rusalka is, is a water spirit that's created by a, a murdered women and they they're miss their old life. Was that so B? They, that's C. So she, they... Uh, so let me get this straight. They seduce men for like some bread? Seems like a good deal for those men. Yeah, and then he seduces them. She seduces them. They give them comforts, and then she she probably kills them. You didn't mention that part. You just mentioned the bread, like in exchange for bread. Yeah, just, very like, poor country. I'll have sex with you, but only if you eat my bread. <laughs> give bread. What What are you going to take from me? Ah, at least one slice of bread. Oh. Okay, well, that seems like a very fair trade. As a matter of fact, like I'll give you two slices. Yeah, you know, what? I'll give you, I'll give you a sandwich amount of bread for seducing me. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aaron, uh, I just need to go through my monster log. Carry the seven. Your monster lurg. Carry the omega symbol, and uh, you are a bog witch from legend. Thanks for thanks for playing. You're a bog witch. Hmm. So it did just kind of end with kind of an insult to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Do you want to talk about the lure? <laughs> you want to talk about the lore of the movie Lure? <laughs> Do you want to talk about the podcast uh, lore instead of ours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never heard it, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Let's just let's just play an episode for the next hour over the <laughs> over the microphone. All right. Hi, I'm Aaron Menke, and this. Is lore. A lot of people say that Bigfoot doesn't exist, but let me tell you, Bigfoot fucked my mom. I'll tell you what, if I ever listen to that podcast, I may go, yep, <laughs> Peter was dead on the money. Go back, see if my reference is good, and then um, just work I on mean, it. is it produced by NPR? Uh, he definitely thinks, he fancies himself a little Ira Glass, but he's not, it's not an NPR thing. Oh, okay. Do you it's, want to about... it's for some, like, a literary creative network or something. You can delete me saying that. That's fine. Um, do uh, you want to talk about Lurch? Do you want to talk about Lurch? Yeah. Um, From the Munsters and or the Adams Family? I think the Adams, Adams Family. family. Yeah. Um, so, is Lurch the hand? No, Lurch is the... Is I don't the big... think so. I think is the Lurch hands... the big boy? 
I think he's the big. I think he's Christopher Lloyd, right? Like in the in no, the that's movies. Fester. It's Fester. Oh, maybe I think Lurch is the Frankenstein. It might be. Yeah, I think the hand is named Lurch. is named Handman. <laughs> it would be pretty good, like Handyman. Yeah, the the, the Handman hand can. can. Oh. The Handyman can because he's just one fucking hand and doesn't appear to have. And you know what his slogan is on his what? van? Need a little help? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about Lur. The Lur. Let's talk about Lur, baby. your lesson uh, <laughs> I hope we lured you in with our hilarious intro to the rest of the episode I hope you learned we're gonna make that joke a few times because <laughs> I can't think of any other words <laughs> that it really works with so every time I'm gonna pause for applause I guess you are alternate taglines I guess I am. We're ready to believe you and pay high ticket values to see your show. Let's talk about that for a sec before we get into the plot. So, what is this club's aesthetic in general? The the club's aesthetic is uh, supposed to be kind of sexy. He says it's an adult club that serves alcohol with erotic acts. But we don't really see erotic acts, though we do see a woman dancing a lot. I also, I, I'm looking forward to getting into, like, I understand it's a heightened fantasy film. I understand. I get that there are mermaids in it. But I am curious, like, what the mermaids' relationship to the people in the club are. Are they, like, cool makeup effects? Cool magic trick? Or are they like, oh, yeah, look, the, these club, this club we've been going to for years found some mermaids and they're singing for us. Like, I, I'm, think, I think they're... <clears throat> so it is hard to tell because it's such a fantastic... Because they do the universe. photo shoot, too. And everyone's People's, like... Yeah. And there's a... There's, 
I mean, See, this is a blade thing where it's an underground secret that mermaids exist, but there is someone who they went to to perform the mermaid to human operation and yeah. they already had a donor lined up. Yeah. To hook her up with some legs. Here's the thing. This I think this is what if anything it teaches us. So Poland, sure, you find out that there's mermaids, everyone just accepts it, goes on with their life. If that happened here in America, if it was set in America, uh, you know about the deep state, right? Oh, yeah. Huge into the deep state. Oh, those guys are everywhere. They control everything. And if there's something that is like, nah, we're going to we're gonna use this for scientific research and for war against all our enemies that are in the shallow state. Mm-hmm. They would so like you know like that. There's no there's no X Files in Poland. You just find a mermaid. It's just like now there's mermaids. <laughs> you know, no one has to cover that shit up because there's no deep state. Mm-hmm. So that's that's. Oh my cool god! Have you Poland. checked out my blog? <laughs> <laughs> uh, DeepStateWarrior.com. Oh yeah. So the plot of the movie is is that there's um, mermaids are real. Everything you know is a lie. The truth is out there. <laughs> um, so there's – yes, it, it really kicks off with a bang because it's just – so at, at this club, this employs this like family band, like the Polish Partridge family, um, mm-hmm. which only has one kid because the rest died in childbirth due to the – clearly the poor medical conditions that we see in this movie. Um, it's just the one surviving is he, kid. Is he – okay, so I, I got the, the, the feeling that they were just a band though, that they weren't family family. No, I'm pretty sure that's their son. Uh, she's blowing her son in one scene then. What? <laughs> There's a scene where she's going down on him. The son? Yeah. The, I don't think the son. The younger person in the band. When does that happen? <laughs> I, early in the movie, it's right after the Mia Tech or whatever. The, 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 the young blonde hot guy falls in love with uh, the blonde mermaid, uh, confusingly named Silver. I don't know why she didn't get golden, but... Oh, I'm looking this up. They don't have last names on IMDb. I've already looked. Yeah, they're just bass player. So, clearly if there's oral sex going on, I may have missed something here. Um, I've seen this movie twice. Even at the end, it seems like they're proud of, like, their son when, like, it's at the wedding and... I just so, picked it as a band that they're, like, the two of them are fucking... But they all the live together just, in the same house. I know, but I think that's just a band lives together. Sometimes bands live together. Okay, so jury's out. I mean, really, the blowing thing is probably tips everything in your favor or it makes a different <laughs> movie. But I don't know how I didn't notice that. So, I, apparently, I have oral sex blindness. Uh, <laughs> it's a, I'm working on it. It's a condition. Yeah. Your your mom hypnotized you at a young age to be blind yeah. to oral sex. Yeah. I don't get most porn. I'm not going to lie. It's just a black space for a lot of it. People seem to like it. <laughs> um, we'll just go with, based on this new evidence that's presented itself to the jury, uh, we'll call it a mistrial and we'll say uh, a band <laughs> featuring... <laughs> Are they husband and wife or no? Uh, yes, they are. The 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 two oldest people are, are definitely husband and wife. Okay, there's a scene late in the movie where he breaks up with her by putting the ring down on the table. Yeah, but the younger kid who looks exactly like the mom is not in fact her son. Got I it. sincerely have to hope not. 
I wish I, I wish we could honestly take an hour and a half break and rewatch this movie. So I can, <laughs> changes a lot for me. Anyways, so yes, yeah, so they're out there and they're like, probably after a show, they're a little drunk. They start singing and then some mermaids are like, hey, we're going to sing too. And then it cuts right to the, the nightclub scene. Those first five minutes are like, I am so into this movie. Everything it plays amazing. I Feel Love by Donna. The band covers yeah. I Feel Love by Donna Summer. It's yep. badass. It's so good. So they it kind of jump cuts to this nightclub where the, the owner of the nightclub is like, hey, are these mermaids? And they're like, yeah, they're mermaids. Let's just use them in the show. And everyone's like, great. And then, you know, there's a lot of like classic type musical numbers. There's the um, excited to like be in our new city, like 50s, bright, go to the mall, pick out clothing type stuff. And then I forgot how how like lyrical, how musical this is. But essentially it comes down to the fact that the younger band member who looks a lot like uh, last week's guest, Morgan Renis, uh, <laughs> is is I've been calling him the son. I guess I guess I need to call him the bass player based on IMDb. The bass player falls in love with one of the mermaids, a uh, silver. The mermaids are named Silver and Gold, and uh, their father was Burl Ives. <laughs> silver and... and gold, fucking mermaids. <laughs> I made mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> so he, Burl Ives was just singing about two mermaids he met when he was stationed in Poland in World War II. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a real uh, unsolved mystery that the lure cleared up. <laughs> oh, if only Robert Stack was alive to see this, uh, he would have been so happy. Yeah, so uh, Silver falls in love with the bass player, and she wants to have her tail cut off. Meanwhile, Gold meets Triton, who is a former merman who sings in a heavy metal band, and he's like, look, I cut my tail off, now I can't sing, but I can still shout stuff. He's like, don't have her do it, she'll lose her voice. And she won't be able to sing. And on top of that, if he ever falls in love with someone else and gets married, she's got to kill him before the sun rises after the wedding or she turns into sea foam, which it was kind of funny watching this movie and, and like realizing that this was based on the kind of original Hans Christian Andersen mermaid tale. And then kind of seeing where like the little mermaid took its little bits from, you know? Because I'd never obviously read the original Hans Christian Andersen story, and I wasn't all that familiar with it. But it, it is funny seeing it and being like, oh, I see where Disney got all their little pieces from and then turned it into a Disney movie. But anyways, so she doesn't – Silver doesn't believe Gold, and Gold is like, hey, you're taking away my friend. They're, they're, they're all in plans to go to America and just kind of you know eat people and kill people, and Gold starts killing people and eating them. The family suspects uh, that's what's going on. They have a big fight. And eventually, yeah, they she gets her tail cut off. She loses her voice. And uh, and he immediately is like, oh, your surgery is kind of gross to me. Falls in love with someone else. Gets married. And Gold's like, hey, fucking kill him. You need to kill him. And she still loves him. So she doesn't. Uh, turns into sea foam. And then Gold is like, well, fuck this. I'm killing this motherfucker then. And kills him. By biting off pieces of his neck and uh, swims away with blood on her face. And that is the the story of two precious little mermaids and the family <laughs> that they meet. This is not a family sequel to Little Mermaid. <laughs> this is like a shot for shot remake of Little Mermaid 2. Return to the Sea. So the first time I saw this movie, I was like, 
This is a very weird movie, but I really commend it for uh, the experimentalism of it. The fact that it's like electro musical that like weaves in and out of like traditional narrative, but also it's like uh, a weird horror movie because like everybody behaves so strangely and it's very gory when it wants to be, but it's it, it almost never inserts kills for no reason. So it's it's kind of this like neither fish nor fowl, but in a good way movie. So like I had trouble classifying it the first time I watched it and I really liked it. I watched it a second time and like it all just everything just comes together for me. It's like a lean 93 minute experience that um, I, I want more people to have. It's a very fun movie. Yeah, so, and what's really funny too, Peter, is that we watched this for the first time uh, on the same night because it was both of our kickoff of Spooktober. It was like we were there becoming one with this movie at the same time. It's like they took two top mermaid halves, chopped off the mermaid half, and then just sewed them together like some uh, unholy cat dog. Yeah. It's like when there was just one pause button, that's when you were holding me. I think I liked it more than you the first time around. I knew you really liked it, but I was like, oh, this is the best. It, I thought it was a fun curio and it was like vibrant and, and, and exciting, but it wasn't like attached to it, really. This movie would have been it would have been tough for this movie to lose me after the first five minutes. I think I think a really good list and probably a very difficult list to make would be um, like movies that five minutes in you're like i love everything about this this is gonna be one of my favorite movies this year (laughs) like i I can think of like scott pilgrim and baby driver and other non-edgar wright movies Uh, but this was this was one of those where like the weird kind of surreal opening of like the mermaids like sirens singing out to the shore and then like that jump cut to neon and flashing lights and the yeah the cover of the donna summer song and i'm like Oh, I love this. And I only loved it more and more. Again, I was kind of under the impression it was going to be like this. um, The songs were like nightclub performances only. And it wasn't going to be like a true musical where like the, the songs are like people singing their innermost desires. And this has all of that. And it's got a good story and it's short and it's like funny and scary. Um, And, you know, I'm not this. This sometimes might be better for final thoughts, but. I was thinking about it a lot rewatching it again and like this movie's so impressive. It's also the um the the debut. I can't believe this is a debut uh film by I'm this is just a nightmare. Uh Agnieszka Somazka. Hold on, let me let me get Skull, a shot Hold on. Smaksna. So it definitely ends in ska, like the mm-hmm. famous music genre mm-hmm. um Agnieszka? i think it's like i think it's like i, I think it's agnieszka I, I think it's like agnieszka or agnieszka because it's basically agnes okay and then what do you got on that last name smoshinska smoshin yeah smoshinska is my best guess all right yeah good old as um but yeah this was her debut film and like insane insane how good this is and I really think that's the key to this movie, and it, it impressed me even more upon this rewatch because this is a a very goofy concept on paper. It's why it's one of my favorite. Like to explain the genre that this movie falls in is so funny, and it's fun to say to people like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna cover on our podcast this week uh, this uh, 
Polish horror musical mermaid movie. Like, it's just fun to see the, the looks on people's face because it is such a, a unique genre that it's really going for. Sub, 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 sub genre. Like a like a submarine under the water. <laughs> um, like a mermaid. Uh, like a mermaid. Like a submaid. I think it would be really easy to make a movie that people love that doesn't do much well just based on the concept. Does that make sense? Like, if they had had really campy special effects and not that good songs and, like, like this this movie just on concept alone would have had fans. And what really makes this movie, like, I, I think a masterpiece and I think this, like, amazing movie that people have fallen in love with is because they they do everything so fucking well like the design is amazing the special effects are amazing the horror scenes are like truly scary the songs are very good like it would be such an easy to do a campy half-assed version of this and instead like it just delivers excellent versions of everything like the choreographed um musical numbers like everything is perfect and and by it's making tight, all- it's pretty looking. Yeah, it's, it's it's well shot. The editing is really like tight, and it never feels like it's wasting your time. No, and this, like the mermaid special effects are like convincing. They are extremely good. That would be an easy thing, and like a Roger Corman like I don't have a budget because this is an insane movie I'm making to like half ass, and everything looks good, and everything is impeccably directed and shot and written and and that it, that surprised me seeing this movie the first time and it wasn't really till seeing this time that it really like coalesced into oh that's why this movie is a masterpiece because this would have been such an easy movie to not have to get right and instead they just knocked it out of the park on every checklist that you could come up with yeah and it, it, and the fun thing about it is it's a perfect we love to watch movie because it's so weird like there's so scenes weird. there's scenes that are approached in a way that are it's clearly not just the fact that it's a foreign movie and they understand film language a little different. It's that they're approached in a way that's very thoughtful and it makes it so weird to watch and so compelling that like you're like oh yeah they could have just shot a normal little breakup scene or normal little like I'm sad scene but instead they they have this really like these visual flourishes like the scene where they're all the band has has basically broken up they tried to send the mermaids back to the sea and they got in a violent fist fight with one another and the relationship is is breaking up the the mother you know the the um the parent uh, quote unquote relationship <laughs> is uh, is breaking up and then there's this I'm like, not gonna blow you I'm not <laughs> gonna blow you anymore you're both out of the blow zone and then there's this scene of uh this other dancer like just coming through the apartment and everything is like in slow motion and it's, oh my god it's shot in the dark too so it's they're using like spotlight cameras on people yeah. that sort of inventiveness oh and they're all being hooked up to these like depression ivs <laughs> yeah that sort of inventiveness with the the stage production and, and the um photography is really what makes this movie click though it's not just that it's competent in every category it's that it also excels in a excels. lot of categories that makes it a fun musical yeah, like every one of the musical scenes, like the not the stage ones, but like the chore the choreographed like productions, are all like something. If you saw like it as a, like a Spike Jones or a Mich- uh, Michelle Gondry 
music video or something like that, you'd be like, oh, man, this is amazing. Like, I think of the one where uh, where Gold is, like, singing about how she doesn't um, – like, she doesn't really want to stay here and she doesn't like that her sister is uh, kind of falling in love and wants to be uh, part of your world, so to speak. And, and like, so she's going through the, the – She's going through the apartment, singing about each one while they're kind of frozen, and she's walking through the frame, and it's gorgeous. And then she gets to her sister, who's also, like, frozen watching TV, but her sister, because she's still part of, like, the weird dream world, she all of a sudden starts moving, and it's, like, it's just amazing. And if you saw that on, like, MTV at, like, 3 in the morning when they would play, like, weird, trippy music videos, you'd, you'd probably, like, still go, like, oh, you, did you guys ever see that? That that you know you know that music video where people are standing still and and she's just walking through and every one of those little like production numbers is like that in this movie. Yeah, despite the fact that they're shooting in very realistic locations, very like ugly Polish harbors and you know really small kind of cramped nightclubs and small apartments. Um, despite the fact that they're shooting in very natural, realistic locations, the violence is very real. Um, the uh, sense of place is very real. It isn't afraid to be impressionist about people's feelings, which is, I think, the what people love about musicals. A year yeah. after I said I don't like musicals, I think the you're in, baby. I've I've been converted in the year to like some of them. There's still a lot of conventions I fucking hate, and there's certain musicals I still just like. I think are indicative of the genre I hate. Yeah, it's 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 all done. It's all just perfect and so this this was actually my first I'm, i've been really racking my brain but i'm pretty sure this was my first foreign language musical that i can think of i i know we're doing tokyo tribe next week which is one of your favorites i've never seen that so i'm pretty sure that might be my second and i really have been racking my brain because in general i am not someone that usually listens to music where there's either no words or I can understand the words. Like, I'm not a huge instrumental guy, um, minus probably a phase in junior high where I was listening to a lot of techno. I don't know if that counts as instrumental. But even then, they they occasionally say things in those songs. Like, like Du Hast. Uh, or, like, you know, sometimes you need to bang with one of those block rock and beats. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, like, so, weird phase fire for starter, me. Pisky fire starter. Come on, the victim. That was a radio hit. Do you know that that song came out? I didn't ever tell you that that song came out right after um, my house burned down. <laughs> and my mom liked that song. So for months we were like, did she start the fire? <laughs> <laughs> she didn't. And then she was like, uh, I didn't. And let me tell you why. Harry Truman does stay red. Did she like that song too? <laughs> I assume. I assume your mom likes Yeah, that was her Billy legal defense when we sent her we sent her to jail. <laughs> hey, that house was always burning since the world's been turning. Like we have photographic evidence that it was not. It was fine <laughs> yesterday. Why would you why would you have moved into a burning house in the first place? Uh because Rock and Roll the Cola Wars. <laughs> anyway. Okay, go on. Yes, go I on. think this was also my first uh foreign musical. Is this Oh, did a- you watch Tokyo no, Tribe after I- this? Actually, yeah, I watched Tokyo Tribe before this, but um, <clears throat> I'm trying to think of what other countries would have. Like, I, I'm just not someone who, like, usually connects with songs that I don't understand what they're saying or there's no words. Like, there are exceptions. Like, all 
<laughs> like all white guys in his thirties. I like Sigur Rós. Um, he's just <laughs> mumbling stuff. Yeah, it's um, ice. It's not even Icelandic. It's Icish. It's a yeah. Fake, it's a fake language. It's hope, I like Hopelandic. Is really what, it's, what he calls it. <laughs> I love. Um, I loved Sigur Rós a little bit less when I found out they weren't singing an actual. I, I know. It, it actually does make it seem like less. Although I still like the uh, Parentheticals album because that is that was clearly not really a language to me. It was just moaning, but it it worked for that. But I, anyway. lo- I, I love Cigarros, but yeah, yeah continue. Um, and I like like the very best. I don't know if you know them. Um, yes, they're a Malayan band. I yeah. Think. So there are exceptions of like these bands that I found, and some some of it may be like I just haven't been exposed to as many, and I would. In the same way that I've taken to Cigarros, or the very best, or like occasionally, like you know, some synth-heavy scores will will strike me, and I'll I'll kind of start listening to those. Like it's very possible the issue is more exposure than than um, than me not liking it. But for a musical specifically, I would have never known. And this one really works without understanding the lyrics. And in some ways, so this time I noticed when I was, when they were singing because I had already seen it and I knew what was going on, I kind of had stopped tracking the subtitles and it almost worked better because I understood what was going on in the scene. And sometimes reading subtitles for songs, it actually makes it seem stupid. But sometimes when that's separated from yeah. the, the actual singing, it it just – the lyrics themselves on paper look stupid. I saw and, a review on Letterboxd that said the lyrics for the music were, were bad and I was like, do you speak Polish? Because this is a, well, that's the other problem. Appro- this is yeah. a translator's approximation of what the song is supposed to be. Probably a translator who's taking things very literally, <laughs> very literally as yeah. poetically. He's not writing new pop songs. <laughs> yeah, so so that is kind of the problem is that a lot of the translations are really goofy because again, you're right. They are they are writing like probably a literal word for word so that people understand. So you're missing a lot of the nuance, you're missing kind of the point and you're probably missing like the feeling. So having watched it once and now being able to just kind of absorb the songs just for like what they're conveying emotionally. I think maybe even that's why it worked better this time around. Yeah, and I think like think you have to give a little bit of uh, yeah, you have to give a little bit of leeway for that stuff because it's being translated, and you have to kind of like yeah, get swept up in the energy of it. I personally, I I listened, I've been listening to like world music and more like electronica music where like I I don't know the lyrics for a very long time, so like that part I am used to. I will admit, though, it is hard to figure out how much to pay attention to the lyrics and how much to just give up. The advantage to this movie, though, is because there a lot of them are pop songs. Once you know the the rhythm of the song, you can ignore it because you're just you're just reading the refrain over and over again. You you don't have to do that. You know, like once you know that they're pop songs, so they repeat the lyrics. They're not like it's they're not like big musical songs where it's like vert long verse a little refrain to tie it together, long verse, and it's all each one is telling part of the story. It's telling the story uh, uh, visually, music, yeah, visually, and then through the music, it's giving and the you tone the feel, stuff. the tone, yeah, exactly. I don't know if we should just do scenes or or do you do you have some specific bigger things because there's there's so much I want to talk about, but let's, it let's it is a lot of through scenes. So okay, uh, so like. What's interesting about it is that it approaches uh, what is a pretty um, 
it's a pretty uh, affecting story about, you know, it's the Little Mermaid story. A woman, uh, you know, mermaid comes on land and she fall, actually falls in love with somebody. So it's a, it's a flip of the script a little bit. Um, the mermaids are supposed to be kind of succubi. They're supposed to, pardon the pun, but they're supposed to suck in men with their with their their beautiful looks and their beautiful singing voices. And then they're supposed to be the ones in power. And then she ends up on land. She's in, a, you know, enemy territory, so to speak. And she gets seduced by this guy. And he's a shithead, right? Can we pretty much say he's a shithead? Yeah, no, he's the worst. I want to talk about that. Let's talk about it right now. He's, he's okay. kind of a shithead. I mean, I, listen, so, this is not to it's not to talk against bass players, but like he's but, a little bit of a bass player. He's got a chip on his shoulder. Look, right? it's the old saying: if you can learn two more strings, you're just a better human being. And <laughs> it plays out pretty explicitly in this movie. Uh, no, uh, the director though said that this movie is not subtly about um misogyny and the way the world treats women it, it's not subtle it's very well done uh but it's but it's very clear um a lot what this movie's about and she talks about how this was kind of she connected with the with the story of the of the mermaid the little mermaid and like her own experience of like growing the feeling of growing up and being in a new world and the kind of the misogyny and, and the way the kind of world treated her and other people around her uh I think there's there's so there, it, it kind of goes throughout the movie. And there's a lot of examples of it. Um, there is one moment I really want to touch on because it it kind of sums it up very well in a very clear way of like, especially now, like with with everything we're hearing about. Um, I know it's been going on forever, but thankfully for a variety of different reasons, you know, people are more comfortable sharing the stories of what have, what has happened to them. And this movie kind of ends with, and the whole like story of silver is her falling in love, her changing everything for a person and really just going like really, really giving everything to this person and relationship and stuff like that. And, and not a change for the better, mind you, it's a change. No, her and takes away her power. Yes. Yeah, she, but she doesn't, she, she's so, even put more simply, she essentially destroys – has her life destroyed by this person who throws her away like garbage and treats her like garbage. Um, and essentially, all of the consequences for that action is suffered by her, not him. He goes and marries the person uh, that he wants to. He, he ostensibly would have lived a happy life. And she turns into sea foam, and I think that really is the 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 kind of button on this movie, where it's like she had her life destroyed by this person, and then he gets to go live happily ever after, while she basically evaporates into nothing. And that's you know that is kind of the story of of me too, right? It's it's all these people who have had their lives destroyed by these men, and. The men have gone on to, until recently, suffer no consequence from it. Now, this movie, obviously, he does suffer consequences, but not in her lifetime. She's, I mean, her life is destroyed. She evaporates into nothing. She gets no revenge. He he would have lived on to successful if not for her sister, who's who kind of takes revenge for her, but but doesn't end up like you know. It's it's the it's that analogy of like the the damage was already done. 
like the damage is completely done. So she, her act of vengeance, um, while definitely satisfying as a moviegoer, doesn't change the fact that her sister is now seafoam. You oh, know? yeah, she's crying and going back into the yeah. sea. That was more of a, like, I can't let you live. I will just come back and murder you later. Like, I can't let you live in order to continue living. I'm going to murder you for my sister. And then, but it's not, it's like, it, it's also not really for her sister because you get the sense that Silver. It's for her. You get the sense that Silver is so in love with him and has so internalized the 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 emotional abuse from him that um she doesn't want him to get murdered she wouldn't murder yeah. himself if she wanted that she would have done it she would have both she would have eaten him alive yeah she has the same teeth that her sister has yeah well and she's about to bite him and then is like no i i love him and i want him to be happy it's a movie that um gets you emotionally involved which is so nice after um, especially after the last two Batman movies, to have a movie that's so emotional, like it's it's so much about how why characters do good and bad things because of the way they feel, and and there's a there's a sequence in it where where essentially the characters all are conflicting. You get the sense that it's like not only are the you know the two worlds coming together, but like. Three or four worlds are coming together because the the the, the misogyny of the the bassist has driven uh, and the exploitation of the whole band. The whole band is exploiting both of them and the club owner. Yeah, they're not paying them. They're not letting them pick gigs or really anything. And there's this fight, this big emotional fight at the at, at the center before you know the the father of the family, so to speak punches out the mermaids and throws them back in the water, rejects them, where Silver says, why aren't we being paid? Why, why don't yeah. we have any choices in this? Like, why Why I have zero power? Like, she's clearly frustrated, but she's also, like, distracting from the fact that Golden has just murdered somebody and yeah. it's on the TV. So she's, like, not only bringing up her real feelings as a distraction, but, like, it is a distraction from the fact that Golden never felt connected to this human world in a full way. And she's hunting the whole time that Silver is trying to bond with the human world. Yeah. She always, she definitely golden, uh, kind of considered it transient. Like, let's go do this thing. Like, let's, let's go have a little vacation here. And then we have other goals. And it'd be like, if you went on vacation with your friend and then your friend's like, uh, yeah, I'm going to move here. Like we, we live in the ocean. Your stuff's there. Yeah. Like all your favorite seahorses and your yeah. starfish. <laughs> I mean, I have to I have to interpret the movie as a, a feminist movie, as a movie about the exploitation of women because I I, I feel like if you viewed this as like a uh, a movie about immigration, it would be kind of it would be kind well, of well. Well, it's funny you say weird. that though. the The director does consider it a movie about the immigrant struggle. Yeah, well. I read that and I was like, and, and I was like, yeah, like a little bit, but like, what? what? Well, I think they're, I think they're, I think they're combined because ultimately this is a story of like two people who are trying to get a little bit of a better life in America, a fievel, if you will, mm -hmm. but. It kind of is a reflection of like how the society that they live in views them, which is why they're planning to go there anyways. I, I agree. It that does the, make sense. It like the immigration get... stuff's a little thin. 
And it's um, just like the whole marriage thing being the thing that would like legitimize her, and the fact that he gives she gives him a scale. It's like an engagement ring, and then like if yeah. they got married, that would you know make them a legal union within the the human world, and she could stay. All that stuff checks out. It's just not something that I'm particularly emotionally attached to in a way that I am with the feminist struggle. And it's not because I care about immigrant issues less. It's that I think the movie is not as interesting as a story about it immigration as it is a story about exploitation of of women well but also we're also viewing this as americans so saying that they're going to go to america doesn't might not hit the same beats as it would if like if we we lived in poland and saw america differently than we do being on the inside right like as far as from our perception america could mean like the idea of saying we're going to go move to hell or heaven or so like there's there's probably a lot of cultural connotations that we just aren't getting either because we are in the place that they were ultimately headed to before they got sidetracked so it's it's possible there's a little bit of that too yeah um i want to talk about something that must have occurred at some point which is this one of those few movies where the person who's the makeup effects can put on their resume filled in buttholes (laughs) yeah so that's another interesting thing is that like by default the mermaids are not um, really sexually compatible with men in their human form, in their land form. Because yeah. it's, it's it's supposed to be this like Barbie doll facsimile. It's not supposed to be, they even call it a Barbie. They said they're like Barbies or whatever. Yeah. It's, most, it's not supposed to be like an actual functional thing. It's I think it's supposed to be a trick to things like camouflage victims yes yeah exactly it's supposed to be supposed to be a trick to sucker in victims i think yeah like a camouflage yeah but they do have functional tail vaginas yeah that they seem to enjoy using yeah and then when people don't like using them like the shitty bass player who wants to change her he's like you're still a fish to me you always be a fish to me and when that happens you're like But that's like her only functional vagina. She's out of options. And then the movie is like, but wait, we have a horrifying operation for you. Yeah, horrifying operation where she gets like a a different torso sewed onto her. And then the first time they have sex, there's a little bit of surgery blood. And he's like, gross. So uh, I okay, know so, I know you had half of your body replaced so that I could have sex with uh the exact type of vagina I want to have sex with, but oh a little bit of blood, get out of here. <laughs> like get it is good take a hike. So um, so he but he um but that like if there's any question that he's not like a complete like representation of, of the worst type of, of, of man where it's just like, oh, I don't like your vagina really. Yeah. Just get out. I'm gonna I'm gonna trade trade time it, it's it, it's definitely supposed to be like a um embracing all of you natural and unnatural like i yeah i can't do that and then he moves on to the new new pretty thing it's also it works as a uh virginity thing this is the first time she's really oh, had yeah. sex with yeah. him she gets all excited and then her you know theoretical hymen breaks and then he gets all fucking freaked out because there's blood like bro have a week's patience. <laughs> Have a couple days' patience. Google whatever it. you need. Do use your Google. Apparently, there are doctors performing these mermaid transfer operations all the time. Wait, by the way, clarify. That was a switcheroo, right? With the other woman. Yeah, she wasn't just like 
I'll die now. She oh, no. Mer- the other woman wants to be a mermaid, right? Okay, I was a little unclear on that. So... There's no scene of that woman, like, swimming off with her tail. And no. Like, Have fun with it. I was I was a little unclear. Like, like, sell your Camaro. They, they do kind of work in, like, a, and everyone involved in them is kind of a little seedy. So, I didn't know they're, like, bonked her on the head, killed her, and took her bottom. I don't I don't know. I don't know. I, I kind of hope it's hey, the switcheroo. Hey, here you go. Because- now you get to poop. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of hope it's the switcheroo because then at least, like, that woman got, you know, they got to kind of switch. But it, it could have been an extremely ex- – it didn't look like a particularly reputable hospital. Well, but but she – I mean, and the other woman looks dead. So, I thought it was like a corpse thing. But her eyes are open and she's she's oh. staring off kind of like it might I don't know maybe she- corpses usually have their eyes open and are staring off. It's like one of the defining aspects of corpses. Yeah, but also not like, good at focusing. <laughs> don't blink. You're describing me right now and I'm alive. Mm. Are you? Well, on the outside, not on the inside. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Glad thank you for clarifying for the audience. <laughs> Uh, you you know why I really like this? That scene is so good, but it's it's good for a couple reasons. One, it really works as like a horror movie. The the saw bone or you know bone saw or whatever it's going like a into a flesh, almost. yeah, it's to gross. cut her to cut her in half is like is extremely uh, visceral. Mm-hmm. And that scene is anal- analogous to the I Wish songs in most in most musicals, like most musicals, especially like Disney type. Musicals have an I wish song where the person says all their hopes and dreams and sh- and Silver is singing her I wish song as she's getting uh, her torso, her tail cut off. And it's also when you discover that, yep, Trident was right. She's going to lose her voice. So her I wish song gets cut off, like literally cut off. She's not able to sing anymore. Right as you realize all of her hopes and dreams are, like, not going to be possible because the thing that she thought was a myth, losing her voice, ended up coming true. And we can kind of see where a lot of things are going uh, in the next 20 minutes by the fact that she has lost her voice, her ability to sing, her ability to, you know, duet with her sister. It's it's such a clever touch to make the uh, cutting off of someone's wish, like, that literal. Yeah. The sisters thing is interesting that she can't sing with her sister anymore. They go into the club and they're, and they're like, "Yeah, I'll, the, si- I'm, the sisters, uh, Golden's like, I'll still sing with the band, like whatever." Yeah. Um, she really wants to sing with Triton, but she's like, "I'll sing with the band, whatever." And and they're like, "Sorry, everybody wants duos now." Yeah, everybody. <laughs> which this, which hey, if this owner of this CD nightclub in Poland isn't plugged into what what everyone's doing, who is really this creepy sixty year old dude that runs a Polish nightclub primarily filled with old people? Yes, I imagine he's very plugged in. But uh, so that's that people has a want duos <laughs> and Metamucil. <laughs> he saw an ad for Cheez Its duos. Solo X are out. I'm never buying these white cheddar Cheez Its again. I want Pepper Jack. I want cheddar. I want to grab a handful, eat them all at once. <laughs> Duos. Duos. So that implies a couple of things. One, did they change the status quo that doomed them? Like, did they create like the 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 trend that would end them? Uh I mean, I can see that because, well, so they're not. Before the mermaids get there, the shows are. 
It's so weird because they are so low and that there's only one person singing. But technically, I mean, they don't they're not really a duo. They kind of become a trio because they're constantly singing with the singer, the mom type figure. Yeah, the the Krisha, Christina. Um, yeah. So I like I like that. I mean, I if that's what they were going for, I that's a that's a that's a pretty resonant theme. It also has a funny implication. So part of the reason that the band was doing so well and was getting these this rapturous applause was because they were a really good mermaid act, right? People, lo- the first thing they did was reveal that they were mermaids. Yeah, and everyone like was like, "Oh, holy, interesting!" Shit. And everyone was into the novelty, the uniqueness of their act because of that, right? And then, can you imagine? Can you imagine like being the type of guy who goes to a strip club? And then the people who you think are going to get naked turn into mermaids. Do you think, picturing that demographic, do you think they would be psyched or a little disappointed? Um, I I imagine that if you're the person that regularly goes to a strip club, like you wouldn't be able to get hard from it. You would just be like, uh, 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 like I, I don't think that your reaction would be any different than another person seeing a mermaid at the beach or out at sea because you'd just be like, it would just break your brain to see something. You're like, well, wasn't expecting to see that. See, like, I kind of imagine it would be more like, oh, so uh wasn't half off night tonight, but um, <laughs> I'm only going to get to see half that I'm interested in here tops. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine you would have some weird conflicting feelings like you're like I got to go like feel the scales or something cuz I feel like they're trying to they're trying to trick me. It is kind of surprising how everyone's just like, "Oh, we're digging this." Yeah. Mm-hmm. These they were singing in flight outfits and now they're mermaids in a champagne glass. Yeah, I I can totally see that. <laughs> they weren't even dressed as fake mermaids before no. and then no, it was just flight they're, they're gonna take you uh, on a flight air, airplane mermaid <laughs> airplane no complaints mermaid made my day so they basically have that act right that the, mer- the mermaid act and but the idea that he'd be like sorry you can't perform at all now yeah, you still Despite feel like you're still a fucking mermaid. <laughs> yeah, you have a beautiful you feel like singing voice. <laughs> mer- yeah, great singer slash mermaid, which has been a big draw for you. Like, mermaid's done well for your organization. And your theory is that people would rather see two humans than one mermaid. But two mermaids is equal with two humans like i just would like to see some graphs that this guy's put together maybe some charts where he's like people love the two mermaids but if those tails can't slap high five not (laughs) our customers are like i'd rather see two humans slap high five mid song we're really in it for the high fives yeah, <laughs> that guy like when he takes deals is like you can have one hundred dollar bill or two one dollar bills, and he's like, people like duos. Give me the two ones, one bill. Dig Ike. <laughs> I also like that he was in this crappy club, and he says something like, "They're like, well, we can lip sync with her," and he's like, "Not in my club." 
the first thing I did when these these mermaids showed up is ask to see their buttholes and their vaginas. But lip singing, <laughs> I have standards. <laughs> that guy is like they found the 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 sleaziest looking actor that yeah. probably in all of Poland. Mm-hmm. He kind of looks like he kind of looks like uh, Grandpa Pondstar. I was just about to say that. He does look exactly like that. <laughs> that's what he did. That's why Grandpa Pondstar always looks like he wants to kill himself. Is because he had a long career in Poland before. I'll give you $50 if you can tell me what his name is without looking right now. Big Rick? Nope. Largest Rick. No, I think the uh, other Rick. guy, Big Haas, which big is like Haas. calling someone Big Big. <laughs> um, is uh, think, Large Haas. Yeah. Um, large big. Um, I think Dude, Haas means large. big, right? Like, if yeah. you're Haas, you're big. Yeah. So his, his nickname is Big Big. His name is Rick Jr., like the son. Don't know what Grandpa's name is. No one knows. No one can know. And then there's Chumley. No, of course there's Chumley. Of course there's Chumley. I can't wait to go make a documentary with him about him uh, slowly dying of cocaine abuse in the desert called Chum Leaving Las Vegas. Uh, alcoholism. Yeah, he's on a lot of stuff. Yo, did he get did he get arrested for cocaine? Yeah, yeah, I think I need to temper the surprise in my voice down quite a yeah. bit. Did, oh hey, oh, hey, yeah. <laughs> did he uh did he get arrested for cocaine probably then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Chum leaving like, Las Vegas. He's got a lot of money now, so it makes sense. Yeah. There is a point where when you have a lot of money, you're like, well, <laughs> I guess probably cocaine for a little bit. <laughs> I like how. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> are, we do- are we doing a new bit? <laughs> we we got dis- to discuss sound effects before we start bringing them into the show. <laughs> I, I I hit my water glass against my wine glass. And, well, I'll um, tell you what. Your accident had impeccable comic timing. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so let's go through. So Peter. Yes. Peter, old boy. <laughs> let's, go some, some, let's go through some scenes we haven't got a chance to talk about yet. Let's do that. Um, so, Aaron, did you have a scene in mind? Peter, I'm reviewing my notes. Okay, so one thing I want to talk about that's kind of less a scene, but more of the general thing. Did you have any sort of thesis on the seduction thing? How they're supposed to be these sort of succubi and even the opening. So so the opening credits are um, animated, which is really cool. It's not quite flash quality, but it's sort of like a, a more simple kind of uh, of animation but it's it's very evocative and it's sort of welcoming you to like not quite magical realism but sort of like this is fantasy that exists in the current day so i didn't actually get a succubi sense from this like because like sirens which are kind of the 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 normal mythical like the you know the sailors heard our beautiful voices and then we we killed them that's separate from mermaids um, and I understand, yes. like, I, there's so, a lot of there's a lot of uh, misogynistic lore out yeah. there about women luring men to their deaths. And yeah. the Res- Rusalka also, I uh, I uh, did during the opening game. Oh yeah, I remember the Rusalka. Like it's the like it's my nephew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the Polodnica, another <laughs> oh. woman that will murder you. It's known Jeez, as yeah. the Noon Witch. Oh, love that Noon Witch. We we talked. Do you about know what time that. she comes in? Midnight. <laughs> <laughs> what time zone? 
That's true. Because for me, for me I'm, I'm 12 hours away. So, uh, so yeah, I don't really take it as, as like, succubi. I kind of see it as, like, they're mermaids and, like, a lot of, like, sea creatures, they're predators. So, like, they probably eat other fish normally and then, oh, I can also eat these humans. They t- they're tasty. Especially because, like, there's merman and they kind of seem to follow the same rules as, like, <laughs> that, that sounds not in the way I mean it. Like, oh, well, there's a man who's doing it, so it's fine. It's not a succubi, I think. But... I do I never really got the sense that like they were like luring people out necessarily. Hmm, despite the title. Well, I think that's fish related, Peter. Okay. Continue. What so do you think they are supposed to be like succubi who like Yes steals see I don't I don't So I don't think get about the first thing. scene. Think about the first scene and the way that they <sighs> I think they're curious though. The first scene they come out of the water, their intention is to eat the band. <laughs> They are singing, making direct eye contact with the uh, the band, the male members of the band, notably. The, Christina is up on the banks, not paying attention. And they're through their singing and their beauty, because they are very, very pretty. <laughs> they're like yeah. very, very pretty. They were well cast because they're like beautiful, but not, they still look like sort of, they could be other earthly, right? Or mm-hmm. otherworldly, excuse me. Through that direct eye contact and the singing, they draw the men in, and then they make them. They basically make the men take them home. But Christina is not drawn in by the the mermaids. Christina's first reaction to them is to start screaming because she's not sucked in by the the seduction. Um, well, I think she and, might also be screaming because there's monsters in the ocean. Yes, she's not. She's not. The guys are immediately like, "Hell yeah!" And she's like, Mm-mm-mm. So she's yeah, she starts screaming and then we kind of jump forward a little bit, like all of them becoming friends. Yeah. And, and then I think the movie for sure, this was like a little act that people were sort of tapping their toes to before. Once they introduce the mermaids, they're huge. And the power of their singing and all that in their, their beauty is definitely part of the appeal. People are going wild. Like old people are going wild for, for yeah, them. I, I don't know. I just, I get the sense that, I mean, maybe myths have sprung up around that, but I don't get the sense that like, that's their purpose is like, normally we, we, you know, tempt men and, and, I don't know. It just, it seems I got one like. Final argument, though. I mean, maybe you're right. I would say that looking directly at the camera, though, is um, something that happens. And that, that's kind of like the scene or the last thing I really want to talk about. Because every scene where someone's singing, the person who's singing looks dead eyed into the camera for every moment of singing almost. And it is a very eerie effect. And. If it was a different kind of movie, I would feel like it was like if this was like Michael Haneke's The Lure, I would think like it's it's supposed to indict the audience in some way. Like, but I I don't think that's exactly what's happening. I, You're true. I feel like that's true. Christina I've, Christina also stares in the camera when she sings. Everyone who's singing, yeah. And then who's that other that other diva that sings? I forget her name, but I know yeah. yeah but they all, with the exception of the punk show, everyone looks straight into the camera. And and sings to the audience, and I don't. I think it's an aesthetic choice, and it's a very compelling aesthetic choice because it is so unlike most musicals, which they're, 
you know, occasionally they'll have a, a scene where someone sings to the camera, but most musical production numbers are like them singing to other characters or singing to themselves. Like this isn't like a movie that really breaks the fourth wall yet. Almost every time someone's singing, they are just staring into the camera and it's even more direct than like, well, they're not just staring straight ahead because there's musical numbers where like um, Christina is singing directly into the camera and then silver and golden are like, are just dancing and then they don't sing into you know they're not looking at the camera they're looking off to the sides and then when they start singing when they start singing as well they they turn and look directly into the camera so obviously this is a performance there's an element of the audience component there but it's a it's a very interesting stylistic choice that really really kind of sucks you into these these musical numbers. I, I agree. That's a great point. Um, I, t- I take back the talking to the camera thing, but I have one more argument that they're supposed to be seductive and why some of the seduction stuff is confusing for me, or at least more complicated than it appears. And that's the entire police subplot. I love Giallo movies, and recently I've been kind of falling out of love with them when I realized like, how bored I am by the cops. <laughs> The reason I've kind of fallen out of love with Giallo movies recently, and I'm sure it'll come back, is that I like the victims and I like the killers. I like the the people that are chase, running away from the victims or running away from the killer, and I like the killers. The once the cops get in, it's just fucking boring. The cops are always boring. They're they're almost never funny or like they never their weird perversions or interests never really play into it in any any particular way. It just kind of muddies up the movie for me. And so that's one of my favorite things about the movie. When the police come in, this woman that looks like a Polish Vera Farmiga, um, the police come in, she is like, I'm going to arrest you. You fucking killed that guy. It's against the law. And then all Golden has to do is just snap her fingers and she seduced her. Yeah. That's it. And then the police thing is just gone from the movie, pretty much. Like, it causes the rift that sort of, like, um, kicks off the second act that really brings the movie to its, like, its nadir in terms of, like, everybody is fighting and everybody's sad. Sad, sad, sad. Everybody's sad all the time. Um, but that's 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 them being like, yeah, there are cops, but uh, we just... The, the mermaids are just so uh, sexy and, and so alluring that they just made the police go away. So so I actually think of that as differently because I, I don't think they have like uh, – the, the cop who sleeps with her is not like um, – it doesn't feel like a seduction thing where she's like hypnotized and tempted. I actually think that scene is more to show like what a – passionate lovemaking scene with the mermaid with someone who's engaging with like the mermaid's anatomy in a way that like is pleasurable to them so like it's it's kind of about how hey this person is is having sex with the mermaid and like look how look how much they are both like getting sexual pleasure out of this moment even though it's unconventional it's not something that you know probably um the cop has done before it's also like, not taught in public schools. It's also yeah, yeah. Polish had uh, they they followed the Bush guidelines for teaching uh, sex education pretty strictly. Um, <laughs> and if you remember, they were part of the uh, <laughs> they were part of our uh, what did we call our co- coalition of the willing? Remember, it was in that debate. It was so don't forget about Poland. <laughs> no, yeah, I think it was the Coalition of the Willing. Um, but remember when John Kerry was berating George W. Bush, that's just, hey, 
Great Britain and <laughs> Great Britain and America. That's not a coalition. And George Bush has that smirk and he's like, "You forgot about Poland." Like that's a real <laughs> thing. So yeah, so I think it all my stupid joke totally makes sense. But I think that it's showing like she she is engaging with sex with her on like in a way that like respects her anatomy and is like, okay, this is different than what I'm used to, but. I'm going to, you know, determine through normal means of, like, uh, engaging with someone physically what's pleasurable and then go from there. And that's in contrast to uh, to the bass player who's like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not going to deal with any of that stuff. I guess you can, you know, you can perform oral sex on me. And actually, could you just get that whole thing cut off and then just put a normal thing in there? Like, so I think that's what that scene's about not about showing the power of seduction but like showing of like oh you could have engaged and had a what looks like a super fun night <laughs> having sex with this with this person uh, on their like anatomical terms and instead you're like don't like that i like this i don't like this get rid of this i think it's kind of underlining the how terrible he is and like underlining a lot of the themes of uh, misogyny I agree with you 100%, but I think it's both of those things because the heel turn that the cop <laughs> so you makes, So you, you agree like 95? No, I agree with you 100% that that's what the sex scene is trying to indicate, but the heel turn that the cop makes to get her into the bedroom is clearly about how the mermaids have some sort of seduction powers, and that as the movie goes on, I think the powers weaken. Like, Silver tries to uh, seduce a guy in a bar, and it just doesn't fucking work. And I don't that's... see. I don't know if it's just like you're right. They're they're beautiful women. I don't know if it's more seduction powers than like like yes, they the definitely have so fast, dude. It's clearly supposed to be right. like a magical thing because the the cop is like, I'm going to arrest you. Ooh, but we could have a sexy dance number instead. And then the next yeah. day, she's like on TV. She's like, that that dance number is great, by the way. Yeah, and the next weird, day on TV, like, she's like, we don't know who did it. Yeah, I guess. I guess the idea that they have some sort of, like, representation of, like, magical power, like the siren myth, is just less interesting with me. And I don't think it adds anything to the the theming of the movie or anything. So, I'm not saying that that's not the, what they were going for and that's not implied. I guess it wasn't strong enough for me to really get that um, from the movie. But regardless, I guess there's just nothing there's nothing particularly interesting to me about that that makes me want to go, oh, I hope it's that. Like, I don't know. It just – maybe you're right. Yeah. So the only reason that – I think it's for sure that, but I think that as the movie goes on, sometimes there's like a weird – there's a weird dichotomy where like Silver is kind of jaded and like the – her powers seem to wane a little bit. I was wondering if you waited on that, but I guess we disagree on wh- whether or not they even have that power. So I guess it doesn't matter. But um, the, yeah, because the, the problem is her power. I guess if it's if it's just that she has like magical powers to make him fall in love with her, and then the magical power goes away once she gets rid of the tail. Gets rid of the tail. But it, but if she had all these magical powers to do some, then why is he like? Why is he, like, not engaging with any of it? Why is he, like, this is kind of gross and this weirds me out and actually can you just – can you have sex on my terms only? Like, that doesn't make sense if she has, like, all these special seduction powers. Maybe she's not using the powers on him. She wants him to voluntarily love her. 
I feel like we could Occam's razor this, though, a little and say maybe she just doesn't have those powers. I think, but no, I think she definitely has those powers because there are scenes that show them having those powers. The opening scene in the movie is showing them have those powers. But they're just, you. but I, you don't think they're entranced by two women singing in the water? Their singing is that supposed are mermaids? to be, their singing is supposed to be particularly special. Their singing is supposed to be uh much greater than like that singing is supposed to be like what raises them that what raises them above a normal band that's what takes the 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 rock band yeah and transforms them into a big act but i i think you can have ethereal angelic like unearthly voices that like make people go holy shit what's that sound which is what i think they're implying and not go that that also has magic seduction powers yeah but then she loses the tail she loses she can, her mermaidness and then she can't sing, which means that the, it is inherently a power that she has. She didn't die. It's yeah, to be- but she loses the power to sing, which is what like enticed people in the sense that this was like what made them so uh, absorbing to listen to. Yeah, I think the I think the like her her choosing to not seduce him is my best answer for for that. Um, her saying that like I'm going to. I'm going to play this this real. I'm going to do what humans do and just like have a conversation with you. Um, yeah, I mean maybe I, it, that just seems unnecessarily complicated to me. But I'm I, this isn't like a this isn't like a Krampus thing where there may be parts of the movie that clearly made made that more clear that I picked up on and was like didn't really it didn't register with me. So I'm not saying you're wrong or anything like that. It's just. I, I don't know. I I think that takes away some of the theming of the movie. So I guess I'm I I hope that's not what it is. Oh, I no. I I don't think it takes away from the theming of the movie at all. I think that it, the movie is saying that women have an inherent natural power, and that men want to men will exploit it, and if they can change you in a way that takes away that power, um, and then get bored of you and not even realize the hypocrisy of it. So I think that all still works if the power is like not power but talent, talent and like that talent can you be used as a this metaphor a for like who they are as a person. So power and talent like they're kind of synonymous in like a symbolic sense, right? Well, but if if the if the uh, first people if the say first great hour of the movie or you'd say say great swordsmen come from ten generations of great swordsmen in fantasy movies, or they say that. This guy gets special magic because his ten grandfathers were all special magicians, or he comes from a long line of, of magicians. Like, it's just like that's a fantasy thing. There's just like the the talent and the the talent and what your magic powers are, are kind of like just linked. It's the same thing. Sure, but if if the basically the first hour and a half of the movie, or the first sorry, the first hour of the movie, and then the entire hour and a half for Golden is that they essentially have like. They are always in control of the situation. I think that takes away from a lot of stuff because if they have magic powers to control and to control men's minds and stuff like that, then that essentially takes away most of the uh, the the fact that they were exploited throughout the movie in various ways because they had the control over people's minds or could have controlled it at any time. Like, I, I guess that's where it kind of throws me a little bit. No, it doesn't throw it doesn't throw me at all because it's just their natural power is seduces their natural power is it seduces people. But if your power the, is mind control, it is their asset. Yeah, but if your power is mind control, then how are you 
the whole point is they get taken advantage of, but like they were always in control of the situation under the idea that they have mind control powers. I think there's limits on what the mind control powers are, clearly. Otherwise, she would have made What's-His-Face love him and love her immediately. I think there's limits on the power. I think it's supposed to be more of like still a feels a little Occam's razory that they could just not have the power, and then all the then we don't have to imagine these like throwing out Occam's razor in a fantasy movie is crazy because there's like ten levels of 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 meta text going on on top of this and lore that neither of us is really familiar with. I spent I I'll tell you I spent lore? good a good lore twenty-five that we're not minutes with? working on that game and I know no more about mermaids right now than you do. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. Like I. Again, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I don't like what that would change my interpretation of the movie. That's so, okay. The interesting thing about the movie, I think, is about how no matter what is going on, these are women with unique properties and then they're being exploited and yeah. then discarded as soon as it's convenient. Well, one yeah. of them is being discarded. Golden keeps her... her Central identity, her attachment to who she is, and the movie, the movie, weirdly enough, like, at first it seems like a bad thing because she's, like, hunting men, but then it, she finds her place still as a mermaid within society by performing with Triton and that band, and, and so Golden has a really cool arc, too, where she doesn't feel totally attached to this group, but Silver does, so Golden is her, is her sister, so Golden is sticking around. So, yeah, like, and she because you're right because even at the end she's kind of like oh she can't sing I still like singing let's I'll I'll keep doing the singing that was the whole duo thing like she's not necessarily just saying that so that Silver has a job because she's also offering up that she can just sing herself so that you know there must be something in that that she enjoys just she's again she's treating herself as a tourist um, where where Silver's ready to move in. Yeah, and Silver wants to get the – she wants to basically be Ariel at the end of Little Mermaid. She's like, I want legs. I want to have a cool boyfriend. I want to be human. Uh, I want all this stuff right now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid has ever been called a cool boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> He's at least cooler than the fucking bassist in this movie. True, but like he may be handsome. Maybe rich. I feel like Eric is not a cool dude. <laughs> Listen, he like he's grown up in pretty. I feel like isolated from the rest of the world. His dog is his only friend. He hangs out with the sailors on the ships a lot. I don't. I don't think he's a hip dude. Is Do what you I'm think? Saying. But here's the thing. Do you think that there is no extended Disney uh, property where Prince Eric does some? Fucking cool kickflips, some nollies, some pop shovets, maybe goes, you know, snowboarding or stuff on occasion. You think there's no extended Disney properties where he does cool shit like that? Well, I think here's the question we got to ask ourselves because it's, it's unclear from watching The Little Mermaid. Does his dog friend have mind control powers and is controlling Eric through those mind control powers? I think it's possible. I mean, anything's possible. Anything we we got to dig into the extended hey, Little Mermaid universe. Anything is possible. Anything is lurable. <laughs> <laughs> um, I we're we're running really short of time. This is uh, so yeah. Final thoughts, uh, Peter. 
my final thoughts are um, I'm really glad that we kicked off uh, the month with this one because it's a particularly fun and exciting one. It's vibrant and full of energy. Um, and it's uh, something that we agree on. And it's something that I'm really excited for more people to watch yeah. and then come back to us with because it's a great weird movie that Criterion found and is pushing on people now. And now we can all have it. It's uh, and. Uh, I'd be curious if it's the sort of movie that uh, I could separate the soundtrack from the movie. So I listened to the soundtrack actually driving to and from work, and I loved it, but it it's definitely a soundtrack I think that, like, I loved it because I had the connection to the movie. I, and maybe that's a lot of soundtrack. It's hard to gauge if it would have worked without it, but I'm actually thinking it might because it has that um, – one thing we didn't get a chance to talk about, like, it has a very synthy like, 80s – score but i actually think the kind of retro synthy 80 scores in a lot of ways are better than the ones because they're better than the ones that like we used to have in the 80s because then they just use like synths instead of instruments and like all of those like aping scores that they do now and like it follows and a lot of these like carpenter riffs and synth score riffs are like taking all the things that like people love about those now and like blowing them up so this really does that well. And so it is It is pretty enjoyable to listen to. Yeah. I, I'm really glad that you said that I'm going to have to listen to it by itself because... Um, it's on Spotify. Yeah. Also, I mean, uh, I won't be able to tell any of the lyrics at that point. So it'll be a really good test if I actually like the music. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. As Musical May kicks off, I think we, we're off to a good start. What do you think, Aaron? I think we're, I think we're doing great. I think as always... We should end these episodes with a little pat on the back for ourselves that we've we've nailed it. And um, I think I think the evidence speaks for itself. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it. What do we got left for the movie? What do we got left for the next? We got uh, Tokyo Tribe. Tokyo Tribe. I'm assuming that's a reference to the movie. Haven't watched it yet. It's the titular Carrie... track from Tokyo Tribe. It's called Tokyo Tribe. Oh, really? They went with that, huh? Yeah. yeah, you know, sometimes originality is not good for partial English. Yeah. Oh, great. Uh, Carrie Nelson's our guest. She's never seen it either, so that's going to be a lot of fun. I remember that when she was like, "Oh, I am excited for this." When she looked up the synopsis, so so yeah, we're very excited to do that with Carrie Nelson. Uh, and then we're doing a little shop of horrors with uh, Rachel Graff, who guests with us on the Newsies episode, and is someone I know in real life. Uh, very she, excited for that. Both lovely guests. Let's hear what you got last. And then we got David Clark, guested on Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Also, a lovely man. Looking forward to, to chatting with him about that movie, because that movie is also very fun. Oh, we picked a fun month. Why did we it's do a this? great. Why didn't we do this last year? So, the reason is, and I'll give this the 30-second thing, is that because you didn't, because we had different views on the genre, if you remember, we were like, how about let's, let's analyze these from none of us have seen it. I love the genre. He hates the genre. The problem is that the problem is the genre is not filled with that many movies, and so it was hard to find ones that both of us hadn't seen, and that left us with uh, some movies that were okay and uh, not great <laughs> and not that fun to talk about. At least we didn't watch Grease. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. And and Aaron, I was just wondering Peter? if you'd like to harmonize with me. Yes, we love. <laughs> To watch. <laughs> Dope. Poop on the floor. Egon. <laughs>
it's gone. Ghostbusters 2. Um, yeah, no, it's from the movie. Harmonizing is really hard over Skype. Skype! <laughs> also, when I do the little the little loop with my hand to tell you to stop harmonizing, you just kept going. Gone! <laughs> Alright. Good night and good singing. Good luck! Powoli palce kończą się zaciskać na twojej dłoni. Upadam bezładnie na dno pełen muu, pełen rozpaczy. Jedno jest pewne, że cieplej mi będzie tu niż w twoich ramionach. Hey folks, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we've got just a few quick announcements for you. There ain't nothing in the rule book that says that we can't do some of our own plugs, baby. If you'd like to talk to us, uh, tell us we're stupid, tell us we're beautiful. The quickest way to get to us is our Facebook group, facebook.com slash we love to watch, or our website, wltwpodcast.com. Leave us a comment, tell us we're doing a good job. Only tell us we're doing a good job. We're so sensitive. We're sensitive boys. We're soft boys. And uh, if you'd like to help other people, if you enjoy our show and want other people to be able to listen to this fine, fine program that we produce at no cost, we don't get any money for this. You guys have yet to pay us anything. We live and we breathe off of good reviews from iTunes. So if you would please go to iTunes, review our show, give us a positive rating. We would love to get more and more people involved in this show and this community. I know you hear it all the time, but it really does help. And we're also available, if you don't use iTunes, we're also available on Google Music, Stitcher, TuneIn. We're currently on SoundCloud. We'll take that out if SoundCloud goes away. (laughs) That's it. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned, guys, on our Facebook page especially. We're going to have a lot more polls, a lot more prizes, and a lot more uh, interaction with you guys. So keep it tuned in. Uh, Let us know what you guys are thinking. And again... Above all else, thanks for listening to We Love to Watch.